Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you do not have a copy of the scriptures, look for one in the seat pockets in front of you in your row. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as we continue to make our way through this chapter, our focus text this morning will be verses 17 through 24. Verses 17 through 24. Join me once again in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to consider your word this morning. We, we pray your spirit would press your truth deep within our hearts, that we would know and take joy in its riches. Lord, indeed, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. In the first Corinthians chapter seven, beginning in verse seventeen, hear now the very word of God written for you and for me today. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he who has ears to hear, hear this very word of God this morning. Well, people of God, the Apostle Paul was all for restoring the Corinthian church to be a healthy congregation. He knew that that meant the people needed to have a right view of how God designed relational gifts that he had given them. The body needed to be full of Godly marriages, godly singles, godly widows. In fact, regarding marriages in the body, Paul has given helpful instruction and good medicine to help both preserve and bring about relational reconciliation between married couples. He has also helped guide us through the allowances for biblical divorce, the way that they should be handled, along with rules for remarriage. For a sexual immorality and interpersonal conflict, among other things, were breaking apart the sacred bonds in covenant marriages. Paul commanded husbands and wives in Corinth to stop walking away from each other and seeking divorce on unbiblical grounds. 
And why was this important then? And also, frankly, why is this important now? Because even though the law of the land then allowed for divorce for a variety of reasons, and even though we have modern no-fault divorce laws and the allowance for divorce in cases of irreconcilable differences now, such laws and, and cases reflect a disdain for Christ's teaching on the sacredness of marriage. God hates divorce. Very simple, three words, very strong and powerful three words in the scripture. God hates divorce. When he brings a husband and a wife together, they become one flesh. What God has joined together, let not man separate. And though God told the Pharisees that Moses permitted them to divorce their wives due to the hardness of their hearts, as marriage is a creation ordinance before the fall, God also rightly told them, from the beginning, it was not so. And so marriages and, and marriage vows should be taken very seriously, beloved. The scripture allows for Christians to divorce on the grounds of adultery or willful desertion. Couples should be committed to doing what is often the hard work of reconciliation. The hard work of reconciliation in your marriage. That the glory and honor of Christ would shine forth in your marriage, even in such a reconciliation process and time. But further, we must remember the importance of how we live, how we pursue personal holiness in our thoughts and our words and our actions, not only before and with those in the watching world, but also and especially our example, our love, and our witness of Christ towards those that we have the most intimate relationships with in our home, being our spouse and our children. We can't overlook them. We can't pass over them and be focused on others out in the public, out in the community, and miss them. Because when we do so, it's tragic. It's deadly. It's damaging. And so as Paul has spoken about how the family and how marriage should proceed in different scenarios and a grace wrought change in the spiritual state of one spouse or the other. And as he has spoken about the covenant family, including the believer, the unbeliever, and their children. He continues in today's text here to encourage the saints, to encourage us to continue to walk according to our calling. And so let's consider Paul's words about this very thing in verse 17 as well as those about calling and circumcision in verses 18 through 20, and his words about calling and service in verses 21 through 24. Look at, me, look at it with me in verse 17, where he talks about walking according to our calling. He says, But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. So when Paul calls us to walk according to our calling, is he talking about the Christian life in general or something more specific? I think there are aspects of both here. Regarding the specifics, Paul ties his message in verse 7b about the gifts that God has given his people when he says, 
But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. He brings that forward here to press the principle of staying where we are, staying where God has placed us, even after conversion, even after we were saved, seeking to be faithful and obedient and walking well according to the calling that he's given us. Now notice how Paul reiterates this principle three times in our text. We're going to see this here in verse 17, but also in verse 20 and verse 24. And to Corinth, Paul spoke more specifically to God's gift of marriage or singleness. And again, he went deeper to say that if a couple composed of two unbelievers is by divine saving grace changed to be a couple that is then composed of a believer and an unbeliever, because he saves one of them, what was the believer to do? Stay the course with their spouse is the message. As long as the unbeliever is willing to stay with them. Becoming a believer doesn't require a change in the marriage. That's what he taught us last week, isn't it? Becoming a believer doesn't require a change in the marriage or seeking another calling, so to speak. Paul said that they are to have a faithful walk and witness the believer is before their unbelieving spouse. If a believer is single, they should stay single. Unless and until providentially directed by God to marry. And Paul is also speaking generally here to any and all callings that God gives to his people. Paul taught the saints in Rome this principle. In Romans chapter 12, you can Turn with me there if you'd like. Romans 12, beginning in verse 3. Romans 12, beginning in verse 3. We read there, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And notice verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering, uh, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Notice in each of these, he notices and he points out the gift, and then he also emphasizes how that gift should be used. We have the gift. We have the use. Again, stay the course. Use your gifts. Walk according to the calling God has given you. So notice that Paul also shares with the Corinthians that this principle of staying where God has excuse me, staying where God has you and doing what He's called you to do wasn't only for the Corinthians. And this is to be true of Christ's people everywhere in every generation. 
And so it must be true of us here today. Think about where God has put you and what he has given you to do. What is that? Where has he put you and what has he called you to do? Further, have you been tempted to throw in the towel when it comes to that? Have you wavered in your commitment to stay the course? We can all struggle with that. Matthew Poole, a well-known commentator, encourages us to have resolve in this manner. He says, the profession of Christianity is consistent with any honest calling or course of life. And it's the will of God that Christians should not pretend their profession of religion to excuse them from the duties of any relation where they are set. We shouldn't use Christianity and our precious religion, our precious faith, as some type of excuse as to why we can't carry out the calling that God has given us. No, we need to walk forward wholeheartedly. Rather, we need to also be content with our lot. We need to conduct ourselves in the rank and the place that we are set in a manner that is becoming to a follower of Christ. That is becoming to a Christian. And hear this today, everyone, especially you young people here. For even you young people have gifts and calling from God. Those things are developing as you grow. But you are in the right place, in the right time, where the Lord has you. And sometimes it's easy to moan and to gripe. We can all do that at any age. It's easy to moan and to gripe, to drag our feet, to not do things wholeheartedly, to do things halfway. And yet, here we see that, I think Matthew Poole is correct, that we need to conduct ourselves where we're set in a manner that is becoming of one who bears the name of Christ. But notice that Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 7 here to help the saints and to help us to better understand this principle by giving two examples. And the first one we see in verses 18 and 19 where he talks about calling and circumcision. In verse 18 he says, Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be, not be circumcised. So notice that in this first example, see how Paul addresses both Jews and Gentiles here. That's really who's in view. If a man was a Jewish convert to Christianity, Paul said that he, could, he shouldn't become uneasy about having been circumcised on the eighth day when he was a child and wish that he were uncircumcised. And neither should a Gentile, again, we have in Corinth, we have in every Christian church, Jews and Gentiles brought together in Christ. Neither should a Gentile who wasn't circumcised prior to his conversion be concerned and want to be circumcised in order to somehow be in higher favor with God or to view it as necessary for salvation. Remember how the Judaizers tried to deceive many Gentile men in Acts 15.1. We read there, and certain men came down from Judea 
and taught the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they wanted to tie salvation means faith in Christ plus circumcision. If you're not circumcised, you can't be saved. That's what they said. And yet, why must their claim fall on deaf ears in the Christian? Look at verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Again, the Christian, whether Jew or Gentile, needs to stay where he is or continue as he was when he was saved. For Christian, circumcision means nothing. It no longer is the sign and seal of the covenant of grace for that man. And so what matters then is the fruit of circumcision in the heart. That's what matters. Faithfulness and fruitfulness in our walk and witness is evident in our keeping the commandments of the God that we love. And really this truth is parallel to Paul's words to the churches in Galatia. In Galatians 5.6. He says there in verse 6, For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Again, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love, my friends, is what keeping God's commandments looks like. And so then Paul reinforces this important principle a little differently in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20. He says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Repetition number two of his principle. And so in Paul's second example, which he now goes into in verse 21, he addresses Christian slaves. In verse 21, were you called while a slave? Don't be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. Okay, so as Christian masters owned both believing and unbelieving slaves, God was pleased to convert and save many unbelieving, many pagan slaves, as they were under the influence of Christ, as they sat under the teaching of the word and gospel in the home of their masters, as well as sitting under the preaching of the gospel in church. The question was raised to Paul undoubtedly by the Corinthians. If I was saved while being a slave, should I get out of slavery? And on the one hand, Paul said, don't be concerned about it. In other words, stay where you are and provide Christ-like service to your master. That is your calling. And yet if they found themselves in a position where they could be lawfully free, Paul said, take it, do it. But if you're not in that position, stay the course. Serve Christ as you're serving your master with your whole heart. 
consider Paul's words to slaves in, in the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. He says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service, as to men pleasers, but notice, as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And Paul's words here to the slaves in Ephesus in the Ephesian church, yes, they were a part of the Ephesian church, as he addresses them here, it's, it's their, this very message that Paul presses to the slaves in Corinth. Look at verses 22 and 23. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is what? Is the Lord's freedman. And likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. So notice how in both conversion scenarios here, Paul's message is that whether you were a slave or free when Christ saved you, both were saved through purchase. Both were saved through purchase. Jesus bought them through the shedding of his blood for them. And therefore, since they belong to Christ as his bondservants, he says, serve your earthly masters in a Christ-like manner as you're focused on serving your heavenly master. And don't be slaves of men and walking in a way to where you would please men, but disobey God. You're no longer slaves of men. You've been freed by Christ. Don't act like it. Act like Christ to your earthly masters, he encouraged them. And so again, we find that Paul closes once more with this principle. The third reinforcement. Said a little bit differently again. Look at verse 24. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. I pray, beloved, that this message presses into your heart and mind this morning. That you think about this principle. That you think about these details and examples. Christ-like servants, where you are. You know, when you want to communicate the importance of a message to someone, repetition is very helpful. On the one hand, it is right to say that God only has to say something once for it to be entirely meaningful as if he said it a thousand times. The repetition is helpful. This is God's inspired and holy word. It is exactly the amount of repetition, it is exactly the words that he wanted to say when he wanted it said. And Paul has given us this principle. And he then told us what he told us, and then he told us again. Pressing it in, it's, it's easy to be lured, to be unhappy, and to be 
discontent with the lot that God has given us in life. Maybe we are concerned that some life changes, especially spiritual life changes, require a change in course. And some concerns may be legitimate in that regard, and the path forward requires wisdom and discernment. However, when it comes to our calling, it's easy to be content, discontent with His providence. It's easy to be discontent with His providence, and we want to go another way. And then being right where He has us, doing what He's called us to do, when He's called us to do it. It's easy to give in to temptation and to go against what God has called or is calling us to do and to seek to abandon it to walk on our own. But we must resist all such temptations, knowing that our going against God's calling for us will bring confusion in our minds. You know, in ministry I've talked to more than one person who has had more question and confusion in their mind and were wondering and confused as to what they were supposed to do. And yet when I talked to them, they knew and had confidence in what they believed God wanted them to do, but they weren't doing it. They were doing something else. And I think it's clear and it's, it's true that, yes, we're going to be confused if we're going to be, we're trying to, Go the opposite direction of where God is calling us to go. And so we need to be committed to know and to understand what state or condition God has called us to. Whether that be married or unmarried or other condition. We need to see them also, though, as gifts from God. We need to recognize that. that Paul laid that out here before. These things are built upon that foundation. The gifts from him, we see that, and then we stay and obey. We stay and obey. We remain. Not that we were in a position that is without God or against him, but rather we remain with him. As we know that in obedience we are where we are supposed to be, doing what he has called us to do, when he has called us to do it. And it's all for his glory. It's all for the glory of Christ. Again, whatever your station, whatever your lot, whatever your place, stay the course. Serve well. Serve like Christ would serve. Christ calls you to imitate him, to follow him. Christ gives us command and example in the scriptures. And so indeed, it is good and right for us to do those things with our whole heart. So that he would receive the glory. Amen. Well, praise God for his word. Let's pray.